That dog. He's not it's like the fifth host of this show, I tell you. <laughs> Tim, he knows when you're on the podcast. Like, he, he figures does. out you're not paying attention to him. He's like, I'm having none of Would that. Would you stop? Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Uh, hey everybody, welcome to episode 35 of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm, my name is Tim Mitra, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host Aaron Bay in Whitby, Hello! And my other co-host uh, Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And by Mark Rubin, Dr. Mark Rubin in uh, San Jose, California. Yeah. Hey everybody. So in terms of follow-up, I just uh, posted a couple of links on the site, um, some Android stuff. I'm not an Android developer, but I play one on TV, and... Um, so in keeping with our, our talk last week, we talked about a, um, some a GitHub compilation of UI elements by a gentleman named CJ Worth. I think Aaron brought that to the table, or was it Jaime? It was actually me. Jaime? Mm -hmm. These are, this is uh, put together by somebody called Wasabeef, and basically it's a list of Android libraries. I know, Jaime, you have a lot of Android people on your, your team, and they listen to our show as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a similar um, page of Android UI and UX libraries that he's compiled on GitHub. Um, and I talked to Daryl Bayless. He told me that these are, these are not uh, libraries that people hadn't heard of before, but it's a really good place to... to go and see a comp compilation of them and it's the same sort of you know uh, groovy little animated gifs that we saw on the uh, github on the ios page that we talked about last week and as well this wasabeef guy has also published a bunch of list of uh, android libraries as well so apparently according to the android guys android guys that i that i work with um is a quite a, a interesting list of um resources for android developers so there you go Alrighty, well, um, as we tape this uh, episode, um, we're all sort of, sorry, three quarters of us are on pins and needles um, because uh, we all entered the WWDC lottery. And um, I guess about. Wait a uh, second. You guys haven't heard yet? Or five o'clock. Shut up. No, seriously. <laughs> I thought everybody had heard by no. now. No, no, it's just the thing. It's kind of trickling out a little bit at a oh, time, right? Goodness. So I've heard, I've heard about, I think six people have gotten a, a ticket so far. It just sort of uh, all what happened, what happened was about uh, about four o'clock or so. People started getting a notice from Apple that they're processing their payment, and the next thing they did, they looked into their member account and they saw that they in fact had a ticket. So, but and it's sort of trickling in slowly and nobody nobody i know has got a rejection letter yet have you heard any anything i mean i've not heard of any rejection letters yet and it's a little hard to know what's going on because it's a little weird so stepping back so if you're completely unaware and at this point it's way too late earlier this week yeah. apple opened up the registration which ended um i want to say it was the 17th which is today at uh, like 10, 10 a.m on pacific time and then i was one of those lucky, fortunate people who got the golden ticket to Chumwaka's Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. congratulations. Uh, oh, congrats. Yeah. Congrats. thank you, thank you. Wow. But it, it was handled so weird, though. I thought it was a confirmation for my Apple Watch, which we will get to later as well, I think. Right, um, right. Because I saw an, you know, your order is being processed. I was like, oh, finally, the payment's going through. And then it says, thank you for your order, WWDC ticket. I'm like, what? What's going on here? And this is at one <laughs> thirty uh, Pacific. And I went on Twitter and it looks like other people were starting to get these as well. Yep, um, yep, or yep. people were tweeting about it. And then kind of strangely, just right now at uh, 5.52 p.m., 
I get another letter from Apple developers saying, you know, dear Jaime, great news. You've been randomly sucked to attend WWDC 2015. You huh. will see a wow. charge for 1599, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I already saw that charge. <laughs> this is yeah, out of order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't really know what's happening. And it, this is like way too early compared to what they had said, which is that we would hear on um, Monday, the what, the 20th, if I'm not mistaken, by 5 p.m. So I assumed it was like last year where at 5 p.m. is when the emails started rolling out. And I personally didn't yeah. get my rejection letter last year until around 6 p.m., I think, about an hour after the whole process had started. Yeah, that's right. I got I got a rejection letter pretty early in, in the sort of casting as well. And But it's odd, though, because last year, don't forget, it started with they, they started us putting our entries in on Friday, didn't they? So they had Friday, Saturday, Sunday. and then Yeah, that sounds right. Because this week it was, I think we were offset because of the Oppo Watch uh, sale last week. Because everybody kind of thought that timing-wise, it should have been last Friday that they would have made the announcement, or they would have started the ticket lottery system. That is this week, this time. So, so yeah, hmm. and it was an enhanced lottery system. So unlike last year's, where enhanced is that what you can well, call it? Well, it was. <laughs> it, it, I can see why they they did it in that you know last year, um, you know, if you were on yeah. multiple developer teams so for example yes, your own yes. personal and one yes. or more work ones you could put in to get the registration but there was absolutely nothing at stake for doing that i mean you would have been ridiculous not to put your hat in the ring um that's a difference from this year where as part of the registration process you had to add your payment information and they make it very clear that you will get charged immediately and this is non-refundable Right, yeah, yeah. And I think that plus the fact that they're going to stream at least some of the sessions, I think have made a lot of people say, well, maybe I don't need to be going there. Maybe I can just, uh, you know, stream the sessions from home or go to AltConf and stream the sessions later. So last year, what was the timing in terms of in terms of how quickly they got the videos out? I mean, the AltConf stuff is almost available the next day, if I'm not mistaken. But was it the same with the WWDC stuff? Yeah, or? yeah, it was it's pretty uh, much the same day, I think. That's what I did last year. Actually, I went to my mom's house. She was away for the week, and just sat in her TV room and watched uh, the, the streams as they came in. And they were generally uh, the next morning, from the okay. day before, coming mm. out, uh, and they came out in batches. So. Uh, Monday, I watched the keynote live. Tuesday, um, there was just the State of the Union. And I think it wasn't until really Tuesday night and Wednesday morning that I had my first actual session videos to watch. Right, right. right. My theory on the some videos is that they're going to have a live setup for the main um, audience chamber. What do you call it? Marina? Is it Marina? The big... Uh, uh, oh, Presidio. Presidio, yeah, yes. Presidio. Thank you. Um, I, I'll bet you it's everything that's in Presidio will be streamed live. And then uh, everything else will be uh, offered, if you will. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of the there's there's a couple of big uh, big halls on the second floor that that are comparable in size to Presidio. Because what they do is they close Presidio down into half, and they call one half of it Marina when it's when it's during the during the week, right? But my buddy Rob Roy from Apple Canada is one of the guys who goes down and does the does the does the, the taping setup. So because um, I'll see him wandering around WWDC, and he's behind the curtain, as it were, right? Because he used to work at Sheridan and did all the video stuff there, so they have they fly him down for the week. But um, yeah, and, and coming back to the, the to the lottery though, I mean, I can understand the whole idea of, of having the the charge uh, immediately. I'm not so sure I'm happy about the non-refundable because like, because I suppose you could speculate. I mean, I technically have four people on my team, and we could all four put, all four put in, but then that's eight thousand dollars if in Canadian dollars if we get selected, right? Um, but 
you know, we really cannot afford to send one person down there considering hotel and everything else, right? In flight. Um, I suspect that's what but, happened last year, though. Like, with the system they had last year, they had, like, a few days to make your decision as to whether to pay for it or not. Yes, And exactly, then they had this, exactly. like, giant chaos thing that happened when people stopped paying. And then Apple was sending messages out to other people. They drew more names and people were getting phone calls. I'll bet you it was just bedlam down there. Well, yeah, because and it was the same the year before. Because I remember uh, Daniel, Daniel Jelkett a couple of years ago. I remember he got a ticket and then and then threw it back into the pool. He just he he felt if his friends couldn't go with him, he didn't want to go, and and uh, which I suppose is, was was okay. But but it, what ha I guess you, like you said, that kind of muddies up the waters. And then you know with with people gaming the system or trying to get as many tickets as they can, and then deciding at the last minute not to go. Right. I was really sitting on the fence. I think I, I think I, I spoke to Mark about it on and off through email all week um, about whether I, whether I would enter the lottery this year. But, um, but I, I know Mark and, and Jaime, you guys were like going to go no matter what, right? Come yeah, hell or high water. That would go. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately for me and fortunately for Mark is even though I'm, I'm still, I'm still sort of halfway off the fence. Um, Mark's on my team, so I mean, I technically transfer to him if he doesn't get a ticket. You know. So, Did you get one, Tim? I haven't got okay. one yet. No, okay. no. Jaime got one though. Mm -hmm. so, so, and and like I said, uh, there's a few handful of guys on on the Slack group have gotten some, and I heard back from a couple of guys that I was in in community. Like we went to WWDC 2013 together, and we and we all hooked up on on. Um, uh, SMS and uh, some of them got a ticket today. I just all of a sudden that SMS account just you know that group account just sort of came back to life. So it was, at around four o'clock today, I was getting like you know pinged from Twitter and you know back and forth. It was it was kind of mayhem there for a while. So I decided to go for a walk with my dog instead of uh, stressing over it. Uh, the lottery is one thing. Um, the WWDC event itself is much more interesting and probably more worthy of discussion for our show. Um, sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I you know. Just a, as a parting word for the lottery, I think if you haven't heard yet, you're probably not going to. <laughs> it wouldn't hold yeah, up a lot likely. more hope. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and probably for the the same uh, reasons as, as people didn't get in last year, it's just way too many people applying. So uh, yeah, we'll have to content ourselves with just watching from home. Um, and I'm I'm planning to do what I did last year, which worked out really really well. Take the week off uh, work, save the airfare, save the uh, the subscription price, whatever the heck it's called. $2,000 in this case, and uh, simply lose a week of salary <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, and then sit in front of the TV and just absorb it all and, you know, take my time in the comfort of my own home. Um, I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to it. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, last year I was uh, a little stressed about not being able to, uh, tr having to miss it, but, you know, um, like I said, I think this will be a new experience for me. Like, this The streak is over. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Oh well, Jaime. It is a great, it is a great, great show. Jaime will have a great time if he gets. Is it your first time, Jaime? No, I went back in 2012. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't see you there. I didn't see your hair there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, one last point, perhaps, is that this year there's a slight change in the student scholarship that Apple always has mm -hmm. available. Um, you know, right. where students, and I don't remember the exact parameters, but. Mm -hmm. I suppose you have to be of a certain age and you know still in school and you create an app of some sort that you submit. Yes. Yep. And this year yep. they made a little bit of a difference uh, to the requirements in that the app had to at be partially in Swift. So you couldn't just, oh, really? you know, you couldn't just be pure mm -hmm. Objective-C. 
Well, one of our one of our friends of the show, Evan Dekai, we talked about him before. He's he's submitting for the student scholarship thing, so I had a chance to look at his app. It looks pretty good. So yeah, make sure it's part of it. Swift. Well, he was saying there's a Slack group for for the kids that are trying to enter, and they're all sort of comparing notes, and some of them are cramming trying to learn Swift. Oh no, his his is it's not only Swift, but it's also got a, a Apple Watch component as well. So mm-hmm. he's a keener. You got to be to get in, I'm sure. Um, yeah, probably a ton of people applying for that. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Hey, tell tell yeah, me, guys, what's going on with Slack lately? Like, my understanding of Slack is that it's a paid account thing that you purchase and you pay for every user that uses it within your company. No, I, I think it's free. I think you, I think it's there's a free level, and and it's and you it only archives so many. So I think. Because I looked at it a couple of weeks well, ago. Well, I was just uh, the reason I brought it up is because um, I see that um, Brian Gillum has started a Slack group uh, to discuss Apple yeah. Watch. You guys just yeah. mentioned a Slack group for applicants to this. Uh, um, thank you. Yes. Um, and I, I, I was under the impression that just wasn't possible. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, and it's funny because Jaime and I talked about whether Slack would be a, a suitable replacement for Glassboard kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, I think um, just looking at the site. Yeah, now, me too. <laughs> pricing. pricing. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Light. No limits on users or time for zero dollars. There you go. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you, there's a there's a way that you could start up a Slack group, and uh, Brian Gillum's was he channeled it through a Heroku instance, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it ended up on a on its own domain, like his own domain. That he made, yeah. Oh, really? um, hmm. So uh, pretty slick, actually. Cool. Yeah, I signed up for that one as well. That's on Apple Watch Talk, right? Yeah. Right now, all the talk is about WWDC, though. People talking about tickets <laughs> <laughs> on Slack, or yeah, on well, that specific Watch Kit Slack that uh, Brian Gillen oh, really? put together. Mm, should switch over to that. It's pretty much like that on Twitter as well. I mean, every social media channel is just a buzz about that. Hmm. Fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, so this was my first year ever attending NS North, which was in Montebello, in Quebec, Canada. In mm-hmm. fact, at the fabulous Fairmont Le Chateau Montebello. Um, it's an old hunting lodge, if I remember correctly. And it certainly looks like it. It's huge, impressive grounds, all sorts of crazy nooks and crannies you could get into that if you wanted to play a game of, you know, a live game of Clue, you know, like Colonel Mustard in the, in the drawer room with the candlestick or play a live <laughs> game of hide and go seek, that would have been the perfect place. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It was huge. Huge place. Huge place. Um, yeah. Very small conference. How many people attend the conference? So that was the thing. It was a very small conference you know, relative to something like WWDC, which is, you know, 5,000 people attending and, you know, many, many thousands more in the cities. This is what, like 130, 150, something? Yeah, did you, did you check out your uh, your Passbook um, ticket, by the way? I mean, they updated the they, they, the really good execution of Passbook for this for this particular conference. Um, you know, the ticket was in Passbook, but the, um, the, the notifications kept coming every time there was a, a scheduled speaker, so you didn't miss a thing. And they've just updated our, our uh, tickets with a group photo of everybody that was at the conference, right? And, and if you look, if you click on the back of it, it says, like, my ticket is number 41 of 135. So that's how many people were there. So, I mean, there were some really interesting highlights. I mean, Georgia Dow did the keynote, um, but she also did some fun things. Like, she had these little stars that she made um, by paper because she's just or got that crafty 
and it was so there was fun fun doing that kind of stuff um <laughs> gordon fortino, fortino uh was we we're talking to him before the conference he talked there as well but he was telling uh jaime and he's from texas as his jaime and uh they were talking about that and of course i was i was wondering how big you know texas was and so he lifts up his arm and on his bicep he had a tattoo of the state of texas <laughs> <laughs> to me that seems like a very texas thing to do actually you think <laughs> <laughs> There were some really good talks there. The, I mean, my the highlight talk for me had to be Jonathan Penn. What did you think of, of, of that, I mean? Yeah, I'd have to agree. And that was a really good way to go out with a bang for the conference because that was the final session, you know, the final talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't a technical talk. Uh, it, was, it was funny. It was interesting from a, wow, I've never really thought about that. And also from mm -hmm. a, um, holy cow, some of this stuff is kind of scary. Like it was this, based on this whole theme around you know his uh, his kids and how they interpret star wars characters right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know how his daughter was really into uh emperor palpatine like that was the character for her the evil character that could shoot lightning huh. and he, yeah well it was she because she didn't know what evil was but she thought it was cool he wore a hood and, and could shoot lightning right? yeah and it was really good like how he pulled it all together for you know uh fanaticism and other things that are know related to human history and so it was definitely a whole bunch of things pulled together from the humanities so like that intersection of humanities and technology which there's mm -hmm. actually a separate talk by um ashley something i forgot i apologize i forget her last name it's ashley Lindquist? no no ashley oh oh yeah, yeah she's yeah, from yeah, dropbox yeah. she has a hyphenated name and i apologize it escapes me nelson hornstein right and i think that's kind of what this conference was a lot of in that mm -hmm. um you know some of the talks were very um, technical, like mm -hmm. um, Gordon Fontenot talked about, uh, you know, like functional programming and some other pieces. Uh, there was a developer from Realm who talked about all sorts of horrible hacky things you can do in Swift to <laughs> emulate the dynamic dispatching and all this, the stuff that Objective-C gives you. There were some that were much more, uh, um, you know, inspirational or aspirational. So it was a really good mix. I think it was definitely one of the more unique conferences I've been to. He's got the cars in the background. There. I apologize that it's a sunny day over here in the Seattle area and the neighbors <laughs> are out there with their motorcycles. And yeah, the, the talk, most of the talks at the show were, were about inspiration. I think it was, uh, was it inspiration or evolution or something like that? That was the theme of the conference. So there's a lot of sort of that kind of, um, meta talk anyway it was a fabulous show and i think uh, a conference and and everybody loved the venue in fact you know a, a lot of people were concerned about the venue's location and getting to it and at least i was anyway and um but once once you were there it was just great i mean i didn't even leave, i didn't even go outside for the couple of days that i was there right so i should tell you just as, as an aside um i was sitting in the in the lounge the porter lounge in in toronto and i just happened to see felix walk by uh, felix works with with aaron and uh, I just said, hey, come and sit next to me. And I watched this stuff for a minute. And he sort of, then he said to me, I'm going to go to the Apple store in uh, Ottawa on the way to the show, or to the conference, and, um, and look at the Apple Watch. I have an appointment. Do you want to come with me? And I'm, I'm like, well, hmm, let me think about that for a split second, right? So we actually got to go and look at the watches before anybody else because we were that's one of the first appointments of the day on Friday. And so Felix tried on a whole bunch of different watches, and um, I taped part of it. And it was a lot of fun to, to actually get to see the watch and try try on the fluoroelastomer band and feel it and feel the size of the watch and I didn't have much time with it but there you yeah go. that's the thing cool. like that that try on appointment I did one myself on Saturday yeah. and mm -hmm. it was 
you know, it was, it was on rails to put it in one way. You were just yeah. guided through it. And, uh, I felt kind of rushed to be honest with you. Like it was, uh, I don't know. An Apple store is a very frenetic place. And so yeah. using that as an environment to try on these watches when there's a, literally a press of humans around you, sure. uh, I'm getting jostled all the time. Um, my daughter's in there. Really? She wants to try on the watch too. And, um, and the, uh, lady helping us super nice of course uh but mm -hmm. she's looking at her watch all the time to make sure that we're still on schedule because there's more people behind us and um it's it was it was cr pretty crazy and i i got to try on a few watches but right. uh, i don't really feel like i had a good experience it was almost like i i need to go back again but well did you so which which store was that at by the way uh fairview in Toronto, it's a very small store, but it's the closest. And did you did you have fifteen minutes of? You apparently have fifteen minutes. Of That's right. Yeah, I had fifteen minutes. Uh, it blew by. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was it was kind of a rush though. It was uh, I, I mean that it was rushed, not it was a rush, man. Whoa, not yeah, that kind yeah, of rush. Yeah. So yeah. Um, on the whole, though, like I got to try on the watch that I ordered, which was the black black uh, the nerd watch, as I'm hearing it called, and uh, uh, I'm I'm quite pleased with it. It's going to be great. Uh, the band felt nice. The floral elastomer seems like a nice, a nice band, comfortable. Uh, the watch uh, fits well on my wrist, and uh, I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really hoping it arrives next Friday. <laughs> well, I've set up a countdown on the website for you to follow. Ah, fantastic! You're welcome. Um, so I, I went to a concert with my wife the other day downtown, and uh, it was around seven, seven thirty in the in the evening, and um, we had like half an hour to kill. And so she went and looked some books, and I went and looked at the Apple Store, and and they had the display units, you know, the iPads with the mounted watch beside. Yeah. So I actually got to play with the actual interface because the, the ones you try on in, in the in the cases, it's just a demo; they're not really interactive. But uh, they had some, and there was like nobody there. So I went went over and just started playing with the watch. And you know, you know how you you know how you were saying you you like the edge of the iPhone six with the curved glass there, and you can sort of you just sit there and play with it. You were saying that in one of the yeah sure our episodes yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what the edge of the watch is like. It's like that little curved glass, and as and you know, when you pull down for a glance, or you or you push up, you know, push up for I forget which one. Notifications is down, glasses is up. Um, yeah, it's it feels that way, and then and, and pressing on the the watch face itself to go in and um, change it. it. It felt a little. Mark was asking about the long touch before, right? Or the force touch? Is it um, force touch? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. It 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 was a, It wasn't very intuitive to sort of get that to to come up and and respond to my touch. It took me a couple of you know tries to get it. I think you know it's it's a it's one of those learning curve things we're gonna you know go through really quickly. But uh, it was a little odd. Oh. Uh -oh. oh, I just saw a just saw a registration status email come up. Oh no, real time live drama, folks. Oh, I don't want to look. Should, should I yes, look? you should, you should totally look. You should periscope your reaction shot. Oh man, okay, all right, hang on. We were joking about this earlier about periscoping or, or reading our email. While while you're okay. goofing around there, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I I got to um I got to try the display models of the watch as well. Um, actually, like I said, it was really crazy in that store, and my daughter snuck in ahead of me because she's smaller and stealthy, and managed to get in front of one of these watch display units to play with it. And so I I never actually got up close and personal with the display unit, unfortunately. But I did. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I, I got the I got to feel it. I got to play with the um, the digital crown, um, which was nice. Uh, try some interactions in the watch. Uh, I think it's going to be fine. You know, people who've talked about how complicated the UI is, 
Um, it's just going to take some getting used to. I don't think it's going to be that much to overcome, personally. It sounds like your experience is quite different than mine. So I, I made an appointment for mine. Um, yeah, me too. And I guess I chose a really good time where there weren't many people, not very many people in the Apple store at that, at that point in time. 5.30 on a Tuesday, I guess, is not a popular time. And I didn't feel rushed at all. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't really guided at all um, by my Apple store employee. I kind of had to ask a lot of questions about, hey, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? Very helpful, though, don't get me wrong. It, it, but it didn't feel like he was trying to push forward. Maybe because there, you know, there were that many people, so he didn't have a line staring at him waiting for the watch. Um, I did try out the model that I purchased, the 42 millimeter sport gray with the black band. Totally agree with everybody that the fluoroelastomer band is fabulous. I mean, it's not a rubber or plastic watch by any means. Um, tried on the Milanese loop, which felt, you know, nice, sexy, but it felt a little too tight around the wrist. I'd probably have to adjust that a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about that one either. Did you try the 38 and 42? And 42? I did. Honey? And the 38 just feels too small. I don't really have big wrists, but it just feels like it's a little too dainty of a size for me. <laughs> well, the Milanese loop, I, I noticed when Felix was trying it on, he couldn't, he barely could get it over his hand um, in, in a fist form, right? Um, but the 42, 42 just went on like a, like a glove, right? So Yeah, you know, I really didn't, uh, you know, having met him in, in person, I didn't really notice his hands, but they must be very large Hulk hands compared to mine because I had no problem getting that watch on. <laughs> Um, I also tried the the link bracelet. Um, it feels like a real quality watch uh, when you have that, but it's just much too heavy for somebody like me who hasn't been it wearing a watch heavy. in a long time. It reminds me of my grandfather's watch. For you, Jaime, was the band too big? Uh, the large band was too big, so the small one yeah. was perfect. Like the link bracelet, I mean, was it like because it would have been at full length, right? Like oh, this yeah, is the yeah. thing that I had. I, I put the watch on with the link bracelet, and. Uh, it just jangled around on my wrist. There was just no way I could really get a sense of how it felt on me. And she's like, yeah, there's no way we're taking any of these links out. So, you know, this is the best you're going to get. And the one I really wanted to try was the dark link bracelet, mm. the, the the black one. And they just didn't have that. It w wasn't there. Really? Also, no MacBook in that store either. What the heck is going on there? It was just crazy. Yeah. Well, has any have the MacBook surfaced anywhere? Have you heard? Well, people own them, but they you won't find them in an Apple store. Even today, I think. Oh, I see. What you're yeah, saying, no right. display model. You want to try the MacBook? Screw you. <laughs> that's how it is. You know what? Like that store didn't even have a Retina 5K iMac. Really? I kid you wow. not. It was crazy. It's like what what is going on in this place? Not everything made it to Canada, I guess. Or maybe no. it's only the flagships. No, I've seen the 5K. I, I've seen the 5K iMac before, but it wasn't there on Saturday. I don't know what, what the heck was going on. It's like, so these, you know, the two computers I'm sort of interested in uh, are the ones that they don't have anywhere. Hmm. I like walk out, flip a table. You know, you guys need to find a different app store. The one I go to, Tim Cook is hanging out there personally. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Helping you try on the watches right. and stuff, right? Yeah. You better believe they got all the best stuff. Oh, yeah. There. You know they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not so everywhere else. That's for damn sure. Well, the Eaton Center... I just have to, I mean, I know it's downtown Toronto and it's a little further for you, Aaron, but they, they tend to have stuff. I haven't been to the, uh, I haven't been to the Fairview store, but I've been to the one at, at um, Yorkdale. York, no, I've been to Yorkdale, of course. That's a huge one. It's right next to the Microsoft store, by the way. And the, um, the one at Sherway Gardens, I think there's one. And I think there's one yeah. in Mississauga. Square well, one. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The, the Fairview store is just, it's the worst, just the worst. Really? Oh yeah. Hmm. It's the smallest store. And it's, uh, as, as I've noticed, um, 
poorly provisioned, but it is my closest store. There isn't one at Scarborough Town Center. No, there isn't. There you, there you go. go. Anyway. So now you guys know the names of all the big yeah. malls in, in Toronto area. At one of the ones nearby me, uh, Valley Fair Mall, there's there's also a Microsoft store literally right across the hallway from the Apple store. And it's always fun to, to go in there because the, the Apple store is always packed. I mean, always packed. And you walk <laughs> over to the to the Microsoft store and there's there's pretty much tumbleweeds rolling by and, uh, and crickets chirping. and Basically, yeah. there's, there's never anybody inside there. Yeah, it's the same thing mm-hmm. at uh, Yorkdale in Toronto where they're actual neighbors. They're right beside each other. Mm-hmm. And the Microsoft mm-hmm. store is a big store. Um, it's just empty. <laughs> the coolest <laughs> thing in there is actually their 3D printer. And my daughter loves to go in there and look at the 3D printer and try to get me to buy her one. But mm-hmm. but the actual mm-hmm. Microsoft stuff, good Lord, no. Don't, don't even bother looking at that. Anyway, so... Um, so that that's it for the watch, I guess. And, and anybody else have try-on experiences they want to relate? Did you guys try them on, Jaime or Mark? No, I haven't had yeah. I had my experience. I even uh, I, I didn't try on the edition, but I went by the display case to take a peek, and uh, they're pretty pretty nice. I did talk to the, uh, the the young man because we weren't we weren't wasn't super busy in the store we were in. But um, as I said before, we asked him about the, the demo units that you try on aren't real uh, demo aren't real working watches, and the edition you have to make a, a one-on-one appointment for to go and try it on. So I think you have to bring like you know your your latest your last year's tax form with you. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see? Uh, I don't know if you guys are watching the Star Wars Celebration stuff on uh, on. YouTube and stuff, but apparently J.J. Abrams has a stainless steel 42 with a, with a special dark blue uh, watch band, which isn't even one of the combinations available. Well, actually, uh, just, just before we started recording, MacRumors.com yeah. posted an article saying that in Paris or Milan, Milan, uh, yeah, yeah. that several new watch bands have been unveiled, including, oh, really? including a dark blue one. Okay, yeah. okay. So... Well, it's interesting that J.J. Abrams has a watch already. I, I'm admittedly, you know, we're not surprised by that uh, in, in real in real terms, but you know, there you go. Interesting. Oh, and uh, and I uh, saw Herbie Hancock perform it. Um, he's a big, you know, big time jazz musician, and he's a uber geek. He was doing all the synthesizer stuff, and he he joked about the fact that he looked at the Apple Watch, and and uh, he he did pre-order one, but he didn't get the, the expensive one. <laughs> He's 75 years old. That's pretty cool. Really? Um, Herbie Hancock is 75 years old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, makes yeah. sense when you think about it, but never occurred to me. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's played with Miles yeah, Davis. Yeah, and sure. He's been gone gone for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It was Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea playing together, which was kind of cool. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Very, very esoteric jazz. For, it took me, took me like several, several bars of the music before I actually recognized the tunes. That's how far out they were, you know? Anyway. Um, so what else are we talking about today? We're going to back to NS North, or yeah, well, you, you hadn't said anything about NS North. That's a good point. I haven't said anything about NS North. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you're going to periscope your reaction video to your. Uh... Oh yeah, for those of you listening at home, I did not get into um, WWC as Mark predicted. If you haven't heard already, you're probably not going to get in. So, which is more or less true. Um, did you just get a rejection though? Yeah, I just got the, yeah, sorry, it got the same letter I got last year, which basically says, we're sorry, you're not accepted, and, and I'm just looking on the Slack group, and a couple of people have also gotten rejection letters, so that, that may be the case, it's, uh, yeah, one of the guys from Target who got a, got a, 
got a ticket, he's saying that the direction his team members are now getting rejection letters. So. Yeah, I've still heard nothing. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Yeah, well, they're, they're probably reserving one special for you yeah, right. in the PhD section. Right? Yeah, so. that's never worked before. <laughs> <laughs> the Friends of Tim Cook section. Yeah. For us. Oh, what's your take on NS North? Yeah, come on. <laughs> what is my take? Well, I mean, I, this is my third NS North that I've been to, and... Um, you know, I, I do enjoy it. It was, it was, it's a little different this year. Uh, last year, you know, it was a lot of uh, good inspiration on, on, on the business of um, app development. Um, and you know, I've talked about Charles Perry's talk quite a few times on the show, and and that one really gave me pause and you know made me think a lot about what I'm doing here um, over the last year. This year's talks were more um, uh, different. It was a kind of a different feel to the show in terms of in terms of what the talks were about. Um, some of the technical talks were really technical, like Rob Ray, Rob uh, Rick's uh, talk and JP Simard. Um, he's the guy from Realm that Jaime was mentioning earlier. Um, did some really high level talks, and and so did uh, Gordon Fontenot. But the rest were sort of um, uh, more inspirational about you know about life and you know how things work. I I really really have to say I really enjoy Jonathan Penn's talk. He put a lot of effort into it, he even brought out a lightsaber and was waving it around and, and uh, talked about how, you know, how myth and mythology and that kind of stuff fits into our, our understanding of things and how, you know, his, like he said, like he said earlier, how his kids perceive Star Wars really surprised him, you know, from, from how, what they, they kind of uh, bring to the thing. Um, well, I guess uh, we're going to have to wait for the video on that one because you guys are just doing a terrible job selling it. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I, 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 and th to be honest with you, I, I actually did, I did actually record in Periscope um, a fair number of the talks on on, uh, on the Sunday. So Jonathan Penn's talk is is on my Periscope, and I also have a copy of it here. And um, um, Ashley Inquist, I copied, did hers as well. She talked about what was hers is around tea, though. I mean, do you remember what her talk was about? Yeah, the framing story is about the perfect cup of tea and some of the variety of things that go into that and you know having the analogies for like finding what fits for you right we've we've talked mm -hmm. about a, a lot about that on the show of like you know there's no one correct answer there's certainly different things that you would want to do depending on your situation that's mm -hmm. kind of what i took away from it you know it was awfully short i think you know the two days was uh almost too short for a conference like that but uh but it was, it was great in venue great you know the networking was was unbelievable the number of people we met <laughs> surprisingly we met a lot of people who know about the show and and those who, who didn't know about it were were glad to hear about it yeah i got to sit down with joseph Plinsky and, and compare notes on how he does his his production for his uh his show, what you know, what tools they use, and how they record, and that kind of stuff, and the things that go into their show. Um, you know, we kind of told them how we do our show, and that was kind of interesting to talk about. Um, and we actually shared uh, our our feelings on the um, the po the post on you know the uh, the podcast important list of podcasts for iOS developers. Um, that was interesting. Um, little games night we had going there. I met Ryan Nistrom who apparently was the author for uh, Greg's pick last week, the um, the Instagram uh, yeah. table view controller thing for uh, the watch, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've met Ryan. Ryan and I know each other from uh, other podcasts.
other, he was at 360 iDev last year as well, and uh, I met him at a breakfast, uh, a, a Ray Winderlich breakfast, don't say it. No, I met him last year, and, and you know, yeah, he, he's, uh, he did a, actually, they just posted a talk by him today on the RayWinderlich.com. They did, a, each team member, or not, most of the team members did, a, did an inspiration talk as part of our WDevCon, and today his was about contributing back to the, uh, to the, um, Community. What are we? Community. Thank you very much. Dreaming about the community, whether it's through GitHub or, or by writing technical blog articles. And you know what? We're doing it right now by pro producing this podcast. I think a lot of people um, talk about the podcast. In fact, Jaime, you posted something about um, uh, about iOS Tech Resource Weekly. Yes. Um, so this is uh, iOS Tech Learning Resources Weekly, which I will out right from their website. It says that it is a weekly curated publication of interesting and relevant links and it's something mm -hmm. i've been subscribed to for um i guess probably a little over a month i want to say issue five just came out um but the predecessor uh, issue that came out while i was at ns north and i just was so busy during the conference i hadn't had time to review i noticed that oh look at this right at the bottom we're in the podcast section is a reference to us so thanks to daryl nicholas for giving us a little shout out on that as a uh, a show that you know, he enjoys and he thinks that other people should listen to. So thanks very much. Appreciate it. It's cool. awesome. And going back to NS North, um, we met Vanessa Logan and we had a chance to sit down with her and talk to her a few times, but she did a presentation on uh, their um, apps for kids. Um, she works for a company in Toronto called Sago Sago and they do, uh, they have a, uh, an app called Sago Mini, I think it is. Um, but it's, it's basically, um, her talk was about designing interfaces for kids you know, three, four, five years old who don't know what a button is, and, you know, and, you know, want to play along with the, okay, I've got to, I'll be right back. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Let's see, live stuff here. I think I got a rejection letter. Let's see here. Do, do, do. Yeah, so oh. uh, on my personal team, you know, just my own personal developer comes and says, hey, thank you for registering. Unfortunately, you were not selected to purchase a ticket, so... So you got a rejection there. Yeah, I just yeah. got it too. You just got it, Mark. Okay, yep. you're done. Yeah. Baked, fried, I'm toast. Out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can't win if you don't play. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. Uh, too bad. I feel really good about this. Uh, Tim, you back? Sort of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark just got his rejection. I just got Mark. rejected. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, like you said, you know, if you haven't heard by now, you're probably yeah, yep. probably going to be uh, rejected. Yeah. All right, Jaime, um, I hope you have a, a very good battery in your phone because you're going to have to periscope the entire conference for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as you know, he's not going to be able to do that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, regardless of whether they get into the show or not, decide to go to San Francisco anyway, you know, with so much going well, on yeah, around exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Well, that, apparently that's the whole thing with alt comp going on and, and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So. So anyway, if, if you're really keen on going, then uh, that is open to you. One thing I could add that, uh, you know, we touched a little bit about it so far in that Periscope, the, you know, the live streaming app is really becoming kind of a phenomenon for conference stuff, at least. Like, you know, Tim had mentioned some of the Periscoping that he did um, while at Ennis North. And um, we looked at the live viewers. There's a huge number of live viewers. Right, many mm. more that would actually attend the, or could physically attend the conference, and even some people who 
were at the conference, but you know maybe had to duck out to take a business call or or do some you know last minute debugging or something, were also Simon you know sitting in their hotel room, listening to the session while they were trying to take care of their work. So yeah. that that felt really cool. Like you know this might be a really you know cheap and inexpensive way for conferences to have a live streaming. Um, so I do know that, that NS North was recording the sessions and obviously it's a much yeah. more uh, complicated and much better setup. And I would guess if they had to do live streaming, it gets even much more complicated and and difficult to set up. And Very much so. Maybe Periscope is just the cheap way to do that. Well, and I noticed that Periscope too is doing has, has been enhancing the app as as updates come out. Now there's a they're filtering things between you know you and the world, so you don't see everybody that's pod periscoping at any point in time. You only you can specifically tailor it down to just looking at the people that you follow or the people who follow you, and you can turn off and on the chat and stuff like that as well, which is kind of cool. Uh, and and I went to a, a rock concert on Wednesday night. Um, my my nephew invited me to go with him, and um, I was able to you know periscope some of that stuff and, and i was getting the same kind of numbers in terms of people watching along you know uh for that so it's, it's interesting you know until people figure out what periscope is i mean while we're, while people were waiting for their tickets today as a distraction i was you know walk taking my dog for a walk so at the park i said while you're waiting for your wwc ticket watch my dog play you know just take your mind off of it sort of thing but so it, you know until uh everybody kind of figures out what it's all about you know um Periscope's going to be have an interesting sort of way into, into the world. Ellen DeGeneres the other day was periscoping before taping her show. Obviously, she's going to get thousands and thousands of followers. Guy Kawasaki's been doing a lot of, a lot of periscoping. John Gruber's periscoping. Um, Marco Armet was periscoping today. You know, so those kind of, you know, that, as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, I think when we first started talking about this, um, the celebrity factor is going to be going to really drive this thing home. Right. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in fact, the Periscope team has now got their own featured, you know, stream of, of uh, stuff that you can see from time to time. So, so there's still no way to save someone else's Periscope though, is there? Well, there is, you know, I put, I posted a thread on, on, I can't remember if it was on, I think on more than just code podcast website. Um, yeah. If you, if you, if you, what you can do is you can play it on your phone and then stick and, and uh, tape it right onto your uh, using Yosemite and, and recording it right off the phone. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I do, yeah. right? So, so you know, in the case of Jonathan Penn's talk, for instance, you know, um, I that one, I when you after you after you tape it, you can hit save to camera roll, and it just saves the raw video, right? Mm -hmm. So no, you don't get any feedback from your your listeners, but or your followers, because a lot of them you know make comments as you, as they're watching the, the stream. Um, but you can also, if you tweet about it, right, then the Twitter handle is there and you can go back and so people can go back. Like if you want to go back to my Twitter handle right now and, and look for stuff that I tweeted during, uh, or at Periscope during NS North, they'll still be there. My visit to the Apple stores will still be there. My playing with the dog at the dog park today will still be there as long as I've saved it. And you can go back and, and watch those again. And I, I don't know how long they stick around for but it, when we first talked about it it seemed to be only around for 24 hours mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. but but if you but i've noticed that i've go if i go back to things that i tweeted about a couple of weeks ago the the stream is still there mm. on their servers somewhere so like i said yeah so i posted a thing you know basically using the assembly uh built-in uh facility for recording um your um your phone like for doing the videos for your for the app store 
Um, you can just plug your phone in, choose the phone as a source and uh, tape away. I did have some trouble with it though yesterday because I had some long streams that were about 20 minutes long. Um, and for some reason, I'm not sure if it was my phone or Yosemite, but they just weren't playing nice. So I fortunately, you know, on uh, Greg's suggestion and Aaron's suggestion, I had bought uh, ScreenFlow last week. So I used ScreenFlow yesterday to record some of those longer ones. And it seemed to be a little bit more stable at, at recording those as well. And then, you know, with either QuickTime or with uh, uh, ScreenFlow, you can actually save, like, save a lower resolution version. So you're not saving like an iPhone 6 size, which is huge, right? So, and mm -hmm. it's still it's still only in in portrait mode, but they're talking about having landscape mode because what's awkward about it is if you want to normally want a video in landscape mode, so you get the you know full sort of para um, landscape kind of view, but um, people can't enter text because the, the keyboard's still on uh, on a portrait mode. So, so a lot of people complain if you turn your your uh, your camera sideways when you're taping. Yeah, like I said, I feel kind of guilty about it, but then again, I know I'm it, the whole concept of Periscope is to be able to see something through somebody else's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, though, you were you were talking about that um, still still that what's the eyes for the blind? What was that app you called? Uh, Be my eyes. Yes, we were talking to um, some folks with the uh, related to the the Medikite software party. So we talked about Charles Perry and Joe Joe Siplinski. One of the the ladies had mentioned that uh, she works with uh, the blind in some capacity, and I really apologize. I cannot remember the, the, the precise nature of that, uh, but it was kind of cool to share uh, the Be My Eyes app uh, as something for them because I think it's really valuable. I've not had a chance to make use of it myself, um, and I think that's just because there's so many volunteers who are out there uh, helping blind folks. And for folks who don't remember the last time we talked about this, it's an app for, you know, if you're having trouble seeing, but you need to have somebody read something to you, like, let's say, like, you know, is this milk, of, uh, if this carton of milk is expired, or is this the blue shirt or the red shirt, you know, things that are really difficult to tell without somebody else's help. Um, they can use this app very similar to how like a Periscope kind of thing works, where you have like kind of a live stream and the system automatically contacts a uh, volunteer, somebody who's elected to, to be pinged at that point in time. And mm -hmm. the other person can communicate and say, yep, nope, it's the one on the left. Or, you know, that milk has expired. You should get some new one. So pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff that uh, we live in the future and can enjoy. Mm -hmm. But as yet, you've not had any requests to help anybody out, which is, I think you said there's a lot of volunteers, but not a lot of It's like a 10 patrons, to, 10 to right? 1 volunteer to uh, people who need help, which is great. I mean, it's it's unfortunate for me personally in that I've not been able to try it out and join the fun. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But if it's you know, because there's ways, you know, way too many people helping is a good thing. Right, right. So there's one more thing that we have to talk about. NS North is super, super important. But by the way, so so the so the Friday night was um, uh, party was sponsored by Release Note. Is that correct? I mean, I or sorry, by Medicaid. You talked about Medicaid. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how the sponsorships worked. Uh, there were several. Okay. Of course, the Release Notes uh, conference sponsored yeah. the NS North conference, which was um, mm. interesting, but pretty cool. Mm. Kind of makes sense as a, you know, this is a collection of folks that might reasonably go to this conference, you know, yeah. several yeah. conferences. So that's a cool idea, kind of a, an interesting ecosystem. You know, I, we met some folks like uh, a developer from Support Kit, uh, you know, a third-party service that kind of helps you connect with your users in a customer support chat system kind of way. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. you Periscoped uh, something like that. 
I did. Yeah. I also did a Periscope of OfferUp app. I met the developer of OfferUp at the show as well. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we also met some really cool folks from uh, FreshBooks who come to mind. Right. Yes. Whole, right, whole team yeah. of them that were there and uh, really cool. I know that that's something that a whole lot of indie developers would use. To, and, and I think maybe even you use, Tim. Yeah, I use. I have a couple of accounts with, with FreshBooks. I use it for all my for all my billing. Right. Yeah. And they had a nice... Um, maple leaf shaped glass jar of uh, maple syrup <laughs> to, for folks to take home and uh, it was really cool i did bring mine home i was a little concerned that it might not go on the airplane because i have mm -hmm. no idea how much 355 milliliters is and whether mm -hmm. that's legal to take on an aircraft was it 300 was it that big was it 35 or something i can't remember it was yeah it was it was under 100 100 milliliters 100 yeah, it, yeah see that that's that's what i know folks i just look for <laughs> <laughs> under three ounces and i had to pull up my calculator and see what that was <laughs> oh it's three ounces is it okay well, yeah see i didn't i didn't know that but america but the most important thing about ns north and there was one other thing i want to say about it but before i get to there the most important thing about it was that jaime got to try tim morton's coffee and i brought him some timbits indeed they were really good the timbits are fantastic people, people <laughs> really enjoyed them at the conference too and uh Post-conference, uh, just as a little side here, I actually got to try out some uh, real official patine from uh, Smoked Patinery over in Ottawa. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And what did you think about Tim Hortons Coffee? I saw you had a, a, a cup of it. Man, I really hope they never become a sponsor of the show, but it was it was hard to take, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I told you I hate their coffee. <laughs> I mean, I got the real Canadian experience, but it was it was swill, dude. It was it's made with real moose dung. You you need those Timbits <laughs> to get the bitter taste out of your mouth because that's not good. <laughs> you West Coast coffee snobs. <laughs> it's because you forgot you. to add the maple syrup. That's what really makes it. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what it is? you know what it is is it's the people who add triple sugar and triple milk, so you can't taste it anymore. <laughs> Okay, so Aaron, you wanted to talk about a new uh, service? Glide. So uh, this is a Kickstarter campaign that came out. Gee, when did it come out? Hang on. I, I heard about it today. Yeah, it just like yesterday or the day before. It's got 28 days to go. So Glide is a piece of software that allows you to create mobile apps. And Glide was used by the people who worked with Jim Dalrymple to make the Loop Magazine app, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which was similar to Marco's Marco Arment's um, magazine app. Uh, wait, what's it called? The Loop Magazine, and Marco's was called The Magazine, right? Okay, yeah. You remember this? Okay, so the uh, notion here is that this is an app that lets you create uh, sort of like static content type apps, publications and blogs perhaps, um, Things like that. Um, and Marco Arment posted on his own blog today about this Kickstarter campaign. The makers of this application are uh, going to the users and asking them to fund the development of this thing. Um, so what kind of apps can you make with Glide? Uh, primarily, it's about magazines. But then you start thinking about all the kinds of, of sort of static type apps and, and this is comparable to static websites, right? So the kinds of things that I used to make my money doing, 
back in the day when a small business would come to me and say, you know, we need a website that just, you know, shows basically who we are, what we sell and when we're open. And could you please just put that together for us, please? And it's very simple. HTML, CSS, JavaScript, maybe for a little animation, but that's it. It's done. Um, this is the app version of that sort of website. So uh, using uh, some very simple and easy to use tools, you can create a very whizzy looking iOS app. Runs on the iPad, runs on the iPhone, and uh, super easy to play with. And um, looks really cool. So the idea being that, uh, that you can think of this as a square space for mobile apps. Now, when I read that today, I was like, okay, so here we go. Um, you know, my, my web development business, you know, from a few years ago has re really waned, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, because the, I, I made a lot of money doing that. And uh, there's things like, you know, even WordPress and, and definitely Squarespace obviate a lot of that sort of, uh, you know, easily create nice looking website. And it was really well timed that I moved into iOS because, you know, Lot, you know, custom application development is uh, where it's all at these days. Mm -hmm. And now here comes Glide to start taking some of that business from me too. Well, Curse yeah, them yeah. and their hides. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I was going to say, I kind of kinda predicted that that would happen anyway, because uh, similarly, Mark and I worked on an app a couple of years ago that was, uh, or at least I did anyway, and Mark might have helped out with some of it, which was a similar idea where we basically took for all intents and purposes, web pages and put them into scroll views and, and turn them into sort of a magazine type experience, right? Um, and, you know, often thought about, you know, automating that or whatever, but I never really got off, got, got into doing that. But um, so it, it is about time. And I think that, you know, I've been joking that Adobe would come out with some sort of iPad, iPhone 1.0 or whatever app that would do this kind of thing. And, and so, yeah, I kicked, I kicked into the Kickstarter thing as well because I think there is a place for this kind of app. But don't think it, it kind of makes you, gives you pause to think about, okay, well, what, what about the apps that maybe we as indies want to build or we want to build for other clients that, that are going to be above and beyond this? So how do we make that experience better, right? Um, if things start to get automated, it's, it's only a matter of time before they do. I mean, Quark Express has got a, an app building environment, which is very similar. You just lay out pages and then export them into this, this app environment that they have. Um, the larger larger magazine players, Condé Nast and you know Time Magazine and all those kind of publishers, they've been doing this for a number of years. In fact, they were practically like that on day one, you know, um, and not quite, not not like a, like PDF enhanced PDF readers, but they were actually putting in content with dynamic, you know, UI uh, elements and scrolling text views and videos that open and play. And there was a magazine called Project wasn't there for a while, but um, not sure what happened to that one. It was sort of another interactive magazine, kind of like a, a wired magazine that moved things, you know, things that you can interact with um, on, on the iPad when it first uh, it first came out. So the, the concern I have about looking at technology like this is first, you know, is this going to obviate independent iOS developers who are, you know, working as contractors, basically? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, short answer is absolutely not. I, I cannot see it happening. Um, this this type of software I feel is for uh, specific types of of application slash website, mm -hmm. and although they will no doubt always have their place, I don't think that they will provide sort of the um, let me say the inventiveness that makes iOS the exciting platform that it is. 
-hmm. We're not going to see the kinds of applications that have breakthrough interactivity, that uh, provide new and unusual interactions, that work seamlessly with the online world, uh, except for what's built into this already, which right. is, is not a lot. The focus really is on here's here's some content. We're going to jam it into this device and present it in a very attractive way. Mm-hmm. And that's why its focus is really around magazines, things like that. And so when I when I liken it to the contract work I used to do building uh, brochureware, essentially, that's what I think we're looking at here is brochureware. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, not to be too dismissive, but um, when you can't do any particular custom development to enhance the, the the static content that's sitting inside the app, then I don't think you have much that's going to you know be very significant. You know, um, so I look at I look at apps like this and I think, okay, well, there's always going to be a place for apps like this, but they're not going to um, to be a, a a big deal in terms of where the money and the opportunity comes from for independent contractors. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I wanted to say sort of something like that today, but then I, I, I was sort of thinking to myself, oh, well, wait a second. What happens if they start adding more and more features? You know, is, is it inevitable that you will somehow uh, advance Glide or something like Glide sufficiently to be able to create a an application development environment that is so advanced that it obviates the need for developers. This is where you laugh and go, that's crazy. Ha <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but but you know, having worked in other industries where things like this have come along and 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 taken away some of the some of the, the uniqueness about, you know, being a, a person who produces that kind of work. Um I've seen it happen in other industries before, and I think I think this is just a. It's not a. It's not the. It's not a, a death knell. It's not like something that's going to end the end the industry per se, but it, it is going to take a chunk of, of work away, right? Um, and I think that you know, because um, Apple did the same thing with the uh, what was the iBook Publisher app that they came out with a little while ago, mm-hmm. where you know you could put together a, a relatively uh, interesting. Um, you know, magazine type experience using, you know, some of the power of iOS, you know, with, with the ability to play videos and things like that. And that kind of um, gave us pause because, you know, as I said before, we were already doing um, applications in that space, you know, um, like the magazine type apps, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, because a lot of the apps I do uh, under con- on contract for some of my bigger customers are, are exactly that. They're, they're more like magazines than they are like apps per se, like, you know. Um, they, we had some UI in there that that's you know uh, no longer unique, but you know at the time it was, um, and we deliver content that's you know driven up from web servers and you know using JSON packets and you know loading up images and that kind of stuff on the fly. Um, sometimes we did stuff as static content before, right? But uh, it's interesting. It, it you know like I backed the project because I think it, it does sort of have some legs, and there may be some opportunity for developers you know who. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's a tool. It's another tool to get the work done, you know? Um, but you know, to me, it just feels like it has such a limited scope and capability that, um, that you will be probably very hard pressed to find the right project to fit it for. 
Well, like you said before, it's if you, if you compare it to something like Squarespace or WordPress, I mean, as you know, I do a lot of customized WordPress themes, right? Which, which at the end of the day become a little bit, WordPress as a CMS is a, is a cookie cutter kind of environment. It takes away a lot of the legwork that we used to have to put into, into work developing sites, you know, five, 10 years ago. Now it just does a 90% of that stuff for us. And we can focus in on specific areas of customization, right? Whether it's pulling stuff out of databases or what have you. Um, and you know anybody can put together a WordPress theme these these days, and or, or sorry, WordPress site by just grabbing a theme on some of the themes that come with WordPress. You know they're constantly featuring stuff. Um, so that doesn't mean that there aren't there isn't a need for customized web development. You know um, just because WordPress is there, it does take away a lot of the lower end. You know brochureware, like you said before, the, the people who need the five or six page websites and that kind of stuff, right? And I think that. Um, if your if your if your business is serving the the, the, the app developer the people who need apps that, that uh, just need to get their product into onto devices, it's not going to give you sort of the you know the eye beacons kind of you know what was that terminology Jaime used last week um, where you throw everything but the kitchen sink into your app boondoggle <laughs> yeah <laughs> boondoggle. suggested for your app yeah your pie you know, it, countdown well you know then again it may it may in fact become a boondoggle because it may be that you know okay here's glide and then there's here's all the add-ins you can pay extra money to put you know to put the iBeacon integration in and the geolocation and the you know push notifications and all that kind of stuff you know that uh you know, and that's going to be where where the you know there's going to be the, the the value add is going to be in terms of being able to sell all those things extra outside of the glide environment. You know, so I don't know. To me, this reminds me a lot of the things like Cordova, you know, which are the you know, yeah you know build it in JavaScript and then it runs on 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 the on iOS or anything else. Um, yeah. The problem they always have is that they're always playing catch up. Uh, with with the with the with the native SDK and and it's never quite as good and it's always you know a little bit behind doesn't have all the functionality and if you really want to do something uh, custom you have to you have to do it on your own anyway and it you know yeah if you're going to make a brochureware app sure it works great you know but but anything more than that it just it just flat out you know can't can't handle it so so this kind of strikes me as that you know it's it the same kind of people who would use this type of thing are the same ones who and I'm being a little bit uh, uh, harsh here, but same people who would, you know, answer a, a, an ad, you know, we'll build an app for you for $99, you know, and, and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm not particularly worried about, about it taking away business. No, but I, but I think it's, I think it's inevitable as, as tools come forward, that it's going to become easier and easier for those $99 guys to be able to, to operate. Right. So, yeah. You know, and chisel chisel away at our. It, it at the end of the day, it makes our sales uh, sales practice a little harder in terms of trying to convince uh, a client that the reason why they're paying us the extra money is because we're bringing so much more experience and sk and skill and capability to the to the table, right? So yeah, the thing that interests me about this isn't like it's not what it can do now. It's what this this foundation represents, and is is there a future for this software to to actually create? truly dynamic applications, the sort of which an independent developer would be required to do today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, and I, I do not believe that to be the case. I don't think that can happen. Really? Hmm. I have a really, really, really hard time with it. Because I, I tend to agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, there's just too much going on, and, and it's too hard to, to keep up. Yeah, with, yeah, with oh, definitely yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know, you can imagine them saying, "Okay, well, we're going to build a little um, uh, a where where are you module." So here, here's uh, we're going to integrate the map view uh, with the GPS, 
and we're going to be able to give you something that you can plop into a given yeah. view. And, and now, okay, you got that. And so, and then later Apple introduces a new feature to, uh, to have indoor mapping. And then it takes them a year to bring that to glide. And so they don't have that, but you need an independent developer if you want to include that feature, you know, mm-hmm. it just goes on and on and on, you know, the APIs yep. that come out from Apple and then them having to integrate that into their, their environment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of building from a menu. And, and I think I talked about it before there was, there was a, a Adobe had a, a system that they, I think they bought some company that had some sort of technology for building iPad magazine type experiences. And I know there have been some from, from Europe that have come across my, my table or my, my desk um, that offered to do the same kind of thing. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's actually, you know, it's like, it's like going to a sushi restaurant and saying, I want this roll and I want that, you know, hand roll and I want some miso soup and I want this out and, and build me a bento box app. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, you're just basically taking bits and pieces and putting them together. It's not the same. As, and, and I've never met any two customers that want the same thing. Of course not. Right. Never, yeah. never, never, so, never. Yeah. And the other thing is like, as far as I can tell, glide makes everything look the same too. <laughs> so um you're gonna have well, like a, just like squarespace right exactly yeah. yes exactly yeah. like squarespace anyway um probably talk that one to death but uh yeah I'm, i hope squarespace never sponsors us <laughs> if anyone <laughs> sponsors us episode. it's gonna be squarespace <laughs> oh yeah, yeah let's do picks exactly. all right let's go around the table like we usually do as we wrap up and we'll see if anybody has any picks and we'll start with aaron do you have a pick aaron i've got this app for the mac that i've discovered this week called unclutter and okay. it's actually something that I've kind of been wanting to do myself for a few years, but never really figured out what the implementation would look like. So this app, what it does is puts a drawer at the top of your screen. So you stick your cursor at the top, like just slam it against the top of your window, and then scroll down. And what it does is drops in sort of a HUD display, a heads-up display. Mm-hmm. that has three panes in it. A clipboard showing you all of your clips from your clipboard history. And most handy to me is like a file drop zone. So I, I can just take files that I would, that would normally just sit up and cl- sit on my desktop and clutter it up and throw it into this place that is off screen but always accessible. Mm-hmm. And there's also a notes pane. So anytime you want to take a note quickly, you can just pull down this this drawer and start typing a new note into it. Mm-hmm. So these three little pieces of functionality sort of wedge together into this one heads-up display that you can pull down from the top of the screen at any time and in any context uh, is enormously powerful. Uh, I've been using it for the last three days, and it's so interesting uh, and neat to have. So unclutter, it's, uh, God, it's cheap as all get out. What is it? got to look at it <laughs> but it's like two bucks or something like that on the mac app hmm. store and uh it's it's a no-brainer for me um highly recommend it nice looking website too by the way i got the link where, there in the show yeah, where do the where do the notes go when you save them or just well the, yeah there's uh they looking at how it's put together they call it a hidden folder um but it's actually in the application support directory for the unclutter app so uh-huh. you go into library application support on clutter and uh, you'll find your files and uh all it's data stored there Hmm. Uh, there's an option in the unclutter preferences uh, because if you keep your files in the application support folder uh, by default there uh, spotlight won't find them right because they're outside of your 
normal spotlight search zone. Uh, so you can actually change the location of this file directory. And the, the, the file section part, is that, is that actually, actually a files directory or, or that's where things are? So here's their aliases to your, to your locations on your drive. No, no, no. That's actually where they go. So like if you actually go into library application support on clutter, you'll see yeah. some directories there, your clipboard. So like, it's just storing like all these uh, clippings mm -hmm. um, and you can make favorites of them as well. And then there's a folder for those uh, notes and file storage. Mm -hmm. And so all this stuff is, is stored ra rather incongruously in your application support folder. Mm -hmm. Um, but it totally works, and it's like a little sequestered area of your hard drive that's for this area. But uh, uh, you can change the location if uh, if you want it to be in something a little more standard. Well, see, my, my issue with that is my the biggest folder on my entire drive is usually my library folder, you know. Um, so when I'm trying to find space on my drive because I'm constantly running out of room, um, it's, it's usually, uh, that's usually the culprit. It has to do with, you know, developer stuff as well, but... Um, it's interesting. I use a, I use a tool, uh, another tool called Hazel to basically clean up things. I think I talked about it on the show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I tend to save everything in my desktop and, and or my downloads folder. If I download stuff, it automatically puts zips in a zip folder and DMGs in a DMG folder, and then I then I know always know where to go look for stuff and PDFs in a PDF folder and images go into my pictures. And it doesn't do it right away. It does it like you know. Well, sometimes it does it right away, but after a little while. But this is interesting. Cool. It'd be interesting to see how you feel about it after a week. So maybe we should follow up on that. All right. Mm -hmm. All righty. Um, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. Um, it's a game. It's called Jump and Shoot Attack. And mm -hmm. this is kind of a slight throwback to episode 21, where I talked about the uh, Pisco app, which was a sprite editor that you could do online. And the connection there is that the example sprite was Mega Man, the uh, video game character from the NES, the fighting robot that basically jumps and shoots and has all sorts of fun uh, doing that, right? And and this is a game for uh, iOS that, that does the same. It's been very, very similar style. I've, uh, I've been following the developer for a while um, as they're created this game that's very clearly um, uh, inspired by the Mega Man series is probably the cool. best way of putting it. Um, and it's a, a two-tap kind of, or a two-touch zone kind of uh, game where the left side has you jump and the right side has you shoot with the character mm -hmm. auto-scrolling or auto-running and, and even auto-sliding in uh, different sequences. So mm -hmm. it... it it sounds crazy, like, well, this this sort of Mega Man game would never work on iOS, but with the control scheme that this developer came up with, it actually works pretty well. Um, there's even uh, jetpack sequences that control pretty well uh, as well, where the, the left, instead of jumping, is controlling the boost of the, the rocket pack. And I will say for folks that this is um, kind of old school in the way that it's it's built, in that it's brutally difficult. I mean, don't go in here thinking this is a casual game. This is like, yeah, you kind of had to grow up or really enjoy the, the old school NES. This is going to be a difficult series of jumps. And if you die, you go back to the beginning of the level kind of thing. Mm -hmm. hmm. So a lot of fun for uh, retro fans, I think. But and not I, built in Glide, right? Not built in Glide. <laughs> uh, uh, I actually don't know what it's built in. I don't know if it's a Unity game or if it's... Uh, Sprite kit. Sprite kit. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely try asking the developer on, on Twitter, but uh, 
very inexpensive, $1.99 in the US App Store. So I also like enjoy uh, supporting indie devs. So kudos cool. to this dev. Well, my pick this week is, is uh, I just wanted to announce that a friend of the show, Evan Dickheiser, has produced a, as far as I know, it's the first watch app that I've downloaded, even though I don't have a watch yet. Um, it's called Pitch Plus, and you know, like he's a 16-year-old developer, and I'm trying to get behind him and support him. And basically, it's for people who are uh, pitch, you know, pitchers. Apparently, when they're pitching, you know, can only throw so many balls per game. And it's a handy little watch app for uh, the coach to keep count of his pitchers, and that's kind of a cool thing. So it's on the App Store. It's called Pitch Plus. Cool. All right. I do have one more one more thing I want to uh, sure. throw out there. Uh, if anyone knows of or is a, an iOS automated tester, in other words, has worked with UI automation or similar libraries, and is looking for a contracting gig, you know, for you know about six weeks or so, mm-hmm. uh, get in touch with me. I have an open position, just looking for the right person to fill, preferably in the cool. LA or California area. But uh, if not, you know can negotiate that cool there you go yep. Alrighty. so the more more than just code podcast job board has just opened up yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're just like core intuition now i guess that's it and so if we want to find aaron vay on the interwebs where would we look go to twitter at aaron vay and we want to find jaime twitter at dev of the hair and my blog dev of the hair.com mark where can people find you mark r at smapsoft.com Okay, and I'm Tim Mitra on Twitter and uh, my blog, it-guy.com. And, of course, you can reach out to any of us through our podcast uh, Twitter handle, mtjc underscore podcast, and at the website, mtjc.fm. So, (laughs) once again, we'll say goodbye. That's it for the week, and we'll see you next week, and we'll all say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar amount. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. get a, a ticket for wwdc yet he hasn't got a rejection lottery either so who you. I, I didn't go in the lottery i know okay. so that's what i'm saying right. so that's how i know i know that for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right i get nervous when you guys get quiet because i'm looking at i have to look over at my internet and go have i have i gone down again or what's going on here <laughs> <laughs>